0: The passage we just heard from Philippians 2 is often called the Christ hymn. Why? First, because it reads like an early hymn text. Bible scholars believe that it was a familiar hymn, often sung in early Christian worship. And second, it's an ode to the character of Christ, thus a Christ hymn. It depicts Christ as someone that we ought to emulate. In fact, before quoting the hymn, Paul pleads for the church at Philippi to make his joy complete by acting like Christ, to copy Christ's way of being, by acting like the body of Christ that they were, like a, a single body instead of a collection of competing individuals trying to one-up each other. Instead, Paul urged them Look after the interests of others before your own. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And no, he didn't mean we need to think every thought that Christ thought. What he meant was have the same mindset that Jesus had. And then Paul quotes this hymn, which describes exactly what that mindset was. The mind of Christ was not geared toward asserting his own rights or taking advantage of his position, even though he was in the form of God, he did not regard that equality with God as something to be exploited. But instead he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in human likeness, And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient, even to the point of death on a cross. Now, this is not an emptying that creates a vacuum. It's an emptying that, paradoxically, fills us to the fullness of life that God intended for us, just as it did for Jesus when he did it. When we pour ourselves out in love, we become something more than if we served only our own ego needs. This is the connection between acts of mutual love and belonging. When each one for the other will not hesitate to pour out, when we do that, we participate in the creation of a new community, which is God's doing. We don't become the place of belonging that God desires of us until we take on this Christ-like mindset of sacrificial, mutual, transformational love for one another. So may it be. And again, we invite your stories, because communities are formed by shared stories. We will now hear three short stories responding to this prompt. Where have you seen sacrificial love at work in the church community? Either as a recipient of someone else's Christ-like love, or perhaps even as the one who chose to act in that self-emptying way toward another. And I ask the speakers to reflect on that act of love and what they learned or gained from it, or anything else they want to share with us. As in previous Sundays, these stories are meant to get the ball rolling and encourage the rest of us to tell our own stories. Please note the the green box in the bulletin again that restates the story prompt for the week and encourages you to find some venues to tell your story. And there's also a web link there uh, where you're warmly invited to write up a few sentences Of a response to this week's story prompt as well as to any of the previous week's prompts. Please feel free to take advantage of this opportunity to share your story and strengthen our community. Now the three stories today are in this order. First Spencer Coles shares his story by video as he worships with us from Rhode Island and then two persons will share their stories from the pulpit. First Donna Shank and then Joe Latt. Again, the question is, where have you seen sacrificial love at work in the church community? We begin with Spencer.
1: Good morning. My name is Spencer Coles. When my wife Shirley died after 43 years of marriage, I felt crushed, alone, abandoned. Ours had been a happy marriage, and our family of three children, a very close one. We loved being together, but now all that would be lost because Shirley was the heart of the family. I was immediately surrounded and undergirded by people of the church. I remember running into one person I hardly knew at the grocery store. She stopped and told me that she had been thinking about me and praying for me often. And then she said, I want you to tell me how you're really doing. That allowed me to be honest with her, and I told her that I was terrible. There was healing in that for me, to be able to grieve deeply and not have to hide how I was feeling. Jesus did this too. He stopped. He always had time for those in need. I love the account where he was approaching Jericho surrounded by a great multitude of people. But he stopped when a blind man called out asking for mercy. And then Jesus restored his sight. He set aside everything and emptied himself to care for that one person. Throughout my grief over the death of Shirley and more recently over the death of my daughter, Sarah, I have felt this too, I have felt the people of the church being as Jesus, setting aside their own interests and emptying themselves to care for me.
2: My husband, Roland's mother, died some weeks ago. He was tasked with putting together a video of family pictures for the memorial service. As he was working on this, he ran into some roadblocks and needed a little help in moving this project forward. Someone suggested a member of our congregation who might help. Sure enough, when he called this person, she was willing and made herself available. What was moving to me was to be able to stand in the background and listen as this person patiently and helpfully guided Roland through his impasse. This is someone we really hadn't gotten the chance to know in church. Someone who is busy and involved and wouldn't have had any obligation to help in this time of coaching. But she did, and I was moved by her generosity, her good humor, her patience freely offered and given. It's a small example, but sometimes these small acts of generous, kind service have such a big impact. Thank you, Merle Mast.
3: <clears throat> the phrase from Philippians two four Look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. For many years I have been an observer and a recipient of the sacrificial love of my partner in life. Many of you in the congregation, the Harrisonburg community, and international guests have received and observed her sacrificial love. With gifts of hospitality, homemade applesauce, granola, honey, mustard, onion, pretzels, or garden produce, my partner thinks of others and what may provide a bit of lift in life. These token gifts are usually accompanied by a personal note of encouragement suitable for the special moment in the life of the recipient. Birthdays, anniversaries, times of loss, uh, challenges in life, we're just just neighborliness. Hannah has been showing this interest in the congregation and beyond for many years. In public relations at EMU, in the Salvation Army Community Board, with Mennonite women, the Threshold Choir and Colloquy Class, and others as well. Keeping us aware of the community needs beyond our provincial circle. Without her prodding to provide care and support for others, I could be a recluse. Looking to the interests of others is inherently who she is. She is also a praying person. She makes her caring of others known to God, her notes and gifts accompanied with her prayers for the well being of others. And for her generosity, I'm forever grateful for her sacrificial love and prayers for all of us and for the world.